The gospel reading is taken from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, It's again a great uh, privilege to be preaching today from the word of God. Uh, This afternoon is the sixth installment of our series on Jesus' interactions with various people, and it's the fourth and final installment on our guest preaching series on John's vacation. And the passage before us today is short, but it touches a lot of topics, faith, prayer, the promise, covenants, the scope of Jesus' ministry, the division between Jews and Gentiles, among other things. And preparing for this sermon was challenging to me for this reason. What is the author trying to teach in this story? What is the main point of this text? What is his reason for conveying what he does? What is the Lord teaching us through Matthew here? So this is our purpose today and always when we look at the word, to hear what God is saying to his people and for our lives to be changed as a result. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we need you. We want to want you. We long to be filled with longing. We thirst to be made more thirsty still. Father, we pray that you give us grace today to desire your truth, to kneel at your feet before your word, to listen and hear your voice, to be open to the searching of your spirit, that you would search us and know our hearts, that you would try us and know our thoughts that you would see if there's any grievous way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Christ's name, amen. So today, what I would like to do with this passage is to simply walk through it, stepping through the dialogue back and forth. And at the end, we'll discuss uh, how we can emulate the Canaanite woman um, in the area of prayer. So let's begin. This text begins with Jesus. So Jesus is going about his ministry. He's been doing a lot of teaching and healing. And earlier in Matthew 15, he has another run-in with the Pharisees, which are not uncommon throughout his ministry. So Jesus has withdrawn from Galilee to a Gentile region, Tyre and Sidon. And in Mark's recollection of this, in Mark 7, it says that Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Jesus is perhaps tired, or maybe he wanted to spend some more focused time with his disciples. As Calvin notes, Jesus does not put up his banner when he arrives at this place. He's chosen to remain somewhat private and concealed. 
However, this privacy quickly disappears as he is sought out by a Canaanite woman who wants mercy. Her daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And right off the bat, we have a couple challenges. One is that she's a woman and he's a man and gender boundaries were much more established at the time. And two, she's a Canaanite, meaning that she's an enemy of the Jews. But this woman is bold. She's not intimidated enough by these cultural restrictions to forfeit this opportunity. So she comes to beg Jesus for help. And notice her view of Christ. She knows he's the son of David, the Messiah. She addresses him as Lord, and she recognizes that he is merciful. She's likely heard stories of Jesus' mercy exemplified in his teaching and healing. So what does Jesus do in response? Nothing. He does nothing. He does not even answer her. And this is a little bit unexpected. When I was growing up, they had these bracelets and they had WWJD written on them. What would Jesus do? And I, I might have worn one at one point. I don't really remember. Um, I, won't, I won't share my current thoughts on that practice, but I will say that ignoring this woman isn't what I would expect Jesus to do. And she may have thought the same way. We don't know. But she clearly does not give up, as we soon find the disciples complaining to Jesus about her cries. So Jesus decides to speak up, and instead of silence, he instead gives her a no. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus here is clarifying the purpose of his ministry. Most of his own ministry has been directed to the Jews, and he's commanded his disciples to have the same focus. A few chapters earlier in Matthew 10, Jesus sends out his followers saying, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This woman's needs appear to be outside the scope of his calling, and he's not reluctant to explain that to her. However, this woman is stubborn. She will not give up. And she comes and kneels before Jesus, addressing him as Lord and pleading for his help. So Jesus elaborates further. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And here Jesus is distinguishing between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are the children of God. They have been chosen by God. They've been called out and separated from the world. They're God's people, and the Lord himself identifies as the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Gentiles are the dogs. They are not God's people. They share in common grace the general blessings from God that all people on this earth benefit from, but they're cut off from God's promise and God's salvific blessings towards his people. This is how it's always been since the days of Abraham. The Jews are special, and for Jesus, they have been his primary focus thus far. And this child and dog analogy is effective, even today, with dogs that are much more pampered and loved and appreciated than they likely were back then. The idea of caring for the needs of your dog before your child is absurd. It's ridiculous. How does the woman respond to this? I wouldn't have been surprised if she was offended. Her feelings may have been hurt. Her pride may have been wounded. And she could have responded with outrage. How dare you, in the name of political correctness, or the right not to be marginalized, or insulted, or excluded, or discriminated against? But this is not her response. The woman knows she is not the priority of Jesus. She knows she does not deserve Jesus' blessings. She knows she has no right or entitlement to these things. 
But she's not fazed by this, and she remains bold in her request. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This woman agrees that she's a dog, in Jesus' analogy, but she would rather be a dog at the table of the master, Jesus, than anywhere else. She doesn't ask for the seats of honor on Jesus' left and right. She doesn't even ask for a full meal. She asks for crumbs. In this moment of impressive wit and potentially accidental theological brilliance, she simply presents her humble need for crumbs, confident that there is grace enough for her. And finally, in light of this last statement, Jesus grants her request. In response to this touche moment, he commends the faith of this Gentile woman, and her daughter is healed immediately. Once again, this healing is instant, definitive, and unquestionable. Jesus did have grace enough for her need. This is not the only time we see an instance of faith among the Gentiles. A few chapters earlier in Matthew 8, Jesus heals the servant of a Roman centurion and comments, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. In John 4, Jesus finds faith in a Samaritan woman, resulting in the salvation of her and many from her town. And nor is this unique to Jesus' ministry. We actually see a few examples of Gentile faith throughout the Old Testament as well. Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho, Ruth, the Moabite, and the entire city of Nineveh. These instances of Gentile faith and of God showing mercy to Gentiles in various ways, these instances are foreshadowing and paving the way for a time when the barrier between Jew and Gentile will be removed, a time when the Gentiles will be children as much as the Jews. And this time is rapidly approaching. We know at the end of the book of Matthew, in chapter 28, that a time will arrive when Jesus will commission his disciples to go to all nations, which is very different from his commission in chapter 10 that we looked at earlier, to go to the Jews only. But it appears that the disciples are ignorant of this coming reality. To them, this woman is just a hindrance, an annoyance, just like the little children when they come to Jesus. The disciples want Jesus to conquer their enemies, not heal them. They want to restore Israel to its rightful state, not extend grace to those who oppose them. They miss God's purposes at work here. And we see later in the New Testament the controversy that arises when this truth, that the Gentiles are included in this promise, is made known. We think of even Peter refusing to eat with them and Paul rebuking him for it. And for these reasons, Jesus' healing of this woman is likely surprising to the disciples. This coming removal of the barrier between Jews and Gentiles may have been unknown to the Canaanite woman as well. Nonetheless, she still has faith that Jesus will heal her daughter. It's interesting that Matthew, as he writes to a primarily Jewish audience, emphasizes such a stark contrast between the faith of the Jews and this Gentile woman. The Jews have seen God working throughout the, New, the Old Testament, rescuing them from Egypt, bringing them into the promised land, protecting them from enemies, gathering them back together after the Babylonian exile. They have the law. They have the prophecies concerning the Messiah. And Jesus has proclaimed who he is with very little ambiguity in both word and deed. However, many of the Jews still reject him. They lack faith, as we see earlier in the chapter. On the other hand, this Canaanite woman has never met Jesus before. She's likely heard rumors about him, but probably knows very little. 
However, despite what most would perceive as hostility from Jesus, her faith is strong enough to withstand this opposition and continue to seek Christ to meet her need. Her faith manifests itself in her prayers. And as I studied this, I noted five characteristics of her faith that show up in her prayers. Number one is boldness. She doesn't hesitate to make her need known and ask Jesus to meet it. Number two is humility. She does not feel that she deserves what Christ will give her, but knows that she doesn't and addresses Christ in submission as her Lord and Master. She's not presumptuous towards Jesus. Number three is hope. She genuinely believes that Christ will heal her daughter. Number four is patience. She's willing to wait for the answer she's looking for. And number five, perseverance. She does not give up despite getting no for an answer, but continues to press her need. Boldness, humility, hope, patience, and perseverance. This is what faithful prayer looks like. And once again here, we see God's sovereignty at work. God grants faith to this woman, even just through hearing about Christ. Jesus opposes this woman's request at first, knowing her faith is strong enough to withstand this trial. And as a result, God is glorified as a merciful God who heals. The disciples see the first fruits of God's blessings being poured out on the Gentiles, and all hearers learn about the power of faithful prayer. So how do we respond? What do we do in light of this text? And the main application I want to present is prayer. We have great needs around us. There are great needs in our church, relational, practical, and spiritual needs. Our families, our young adults, our seniors, our children, our pastor, our elders, and their families. There are great needs in our neighborhoods, our communities, our workplaces, that people would come to know Christ, that they would live and work in a way that glorifies God, that our communities would be safe, that people would have work and stable families and live to serve one another rather than themselves. There are great needs in our country that our churches would stand strong and would not walk away from God in areas like marriage, human rights, gender, and sexuality, and that Christians would not lose our freedom to serve Christ, and if we do, that we would not abandon the truth. And globally, there's a massive need for the gospel that it would go forth to all nations to save men and women from every tongue, tribe, people, and language, that churches would be planted in unreached countries, that missionaries would be funded and strengthened in their work, that we would have peace in areas of turmoil, and that Christ would be exalted on this earth. Prayer is not easy, it is a war. And many of us sometimes feel like we lose more battles than we win. It's easy to get discouraged when we pray. As we see in this passage, the Lord does all things in his timing, not ours. And there will be times when God is silent when we pray. Times when we feel like Job crying out to God, and it seems that he isn't listening that we're just talking to a wall, that he doesn't care about us. There will be times when God says no, times when our request was something we had in mind, but the Lord did not, times that we're asking for the wrong things, or with the wrong motives, or at the wrong time, and God says no. However, there will also be times when God says yes, when he says, be it done for you as you desire. Sometimes this is quick, and sometimes this takes weeks, or months, or years. But whenever we pray, we need to remember the promises of God, that he does hear us and always answers our requests in a way that brings us good and brings him glory. And as we close today, I simply want to exhort us all to pray, 
to kneel at the feet of Jesus, addressing him as master and Lord, to pray for the needs around us, our church, our neighborhoods, our communities, workplaces, our country, and our world, and to have faith like the Canaanite woman, bold, humble, hopeful, patient, and persevering faith, to trust that God is faithful to provide all our needs and to answer in a way that will bring us great good and bring him great glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.